uh, curly-headed young blonde girl, nine days ago turned 18. The week before that, she graduated from high school, and she just happens to be my oldest granddaughter. The first time I ever held her in my arms, I lifted her up, and she vomited all over me. <laughs> I knew then she was a special child. I'm very honored that my son Vance would ask me to preach here, and I have been blessed by the messages thus far. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I hope you'll keep your Bibles open because I want to share with you some things out of these first five verses. But I want us to think primarily tonight about verse 5. The Apostle Paul, that first church planter, said, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants, for Jesus' sake. My hero in ministry is Dr. Vance Havner. I first heard Dr. Havner when I was a teenager and immediately fell in love with him as a man of God. My son Vance is named for Vance Havner. I did my PhD dissertation on the preaching of Vance Havner at Mid-America Baptist Seminary. Dr. Havner wrote a lot of books, and I have all of his books, and many of them he signed for me personally, and under his name, he would always write that text, 2 Corinthians 4, 5. And because it meant so much to him, it has come to mean so much to me. It is a direct message for all of God's men who would serve as pastor. Denominations do not plant churches. Churches plant churches. And the churches that plant churches are churches that are led to plant churches by their pastors. So I want to speak to the pastors tonight, a special word from this passage of Scripture. First of all, I find here the pastor's mandate. He says in verse 5, for we preach. For we preach. We do not have to apologize for being preachers because that is our foremost and primary responsibility. When God calls you to be a pastor, He calls you to be a preacher. Now, preaching is not the only thing that pastors do. But it is surely the primary thing that pastors do. Preaching is not an afterthought. Preaching for the pastor is not an option. Preaching is a divinely given responsibility. For we preach. The word preach here is the word caruso. 
It is a word that means to herald or to proclaim or to cry aloud. It was a word that described the town crier in the days of the New Testament. When an urgent need came that all the community needed to hear, the town crier would go to a public arena and at the top of his voice, he would declare the news that people needed to hear. For we preach. We must preach. In verse 1, he says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy... We must preach because of the mercy of God. There was a day when we were lost and on our way to hell, and somebody told us about the mercy of God. God is a merciful God. God is not mean. God is not vicious. God is not nasty. God does not delight in punishing anyone. God is a God of mercy. And if you're a Christian pastor tonight, you have experienced the mercy of God. And around you are people who need to experience the mercy of God. And so God has called us to preach. And we we must preach because of the mercy of God. Around us there are pimps and prostitutes and homosexuals and murderers and thieves and rapists and child molesters and all of them need to know about the mercy of God. No matter how mean-spirited we may become, no matter how, no matter how contrary we may become, they need to understand that God is a God of mercy. And because of the mercy of God, we must preach. Secondly, we must preach because of the presence of false prophets. There in verse 2, he says, But we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. That word dishonesty means shame. It's those things that are done behind closed doors. Those things that are done in secrecy. Those secret sins that cause us to be wicked and ungodly and immoral. He says false preachers care very little about morality. And then he says, and walking in craftiness. The false prophets are those who use trickery and deception to draw men to their way of thinking. That's what craftiness is. It's trickery and fraud and deception. And then he says, nor handling the Word of God deceitfully. To handle the Word of God deceitfully means to twist the Scriptures with a desire to ensnare people so that they might be corrupted by the false prophet. The reason there are some people today who believe the wrong things is because they have been corrupted by false preachers. Therefore, because of the presence of false prophets, we must preach the true Word of God. For we preach. We preach because of God's mercy. We preach because of the presence of false prophets. But also we preach thirdly because people without Christ really are lost. He says in verse 3, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. 
People without Christ are lost. They may be nice people, but they're lost. They may be caring people, but they're lost. They may be gentle-spirited people. Thank you very much. But they're lost. People without Christ are lost. And because they're lost, we must preach to them. But also we preach because of the activity of Satan in this world. In verse 4, he says, In whom the God of this world had blinded the minds of them which believe not. Satan is alive, and Satan is at work. Satan is constantly perverting the gospel. Satan is constantly making lies out of what is actually the truth. Satan is a deceiver. Satan is a murderer. Satan is a liar. Satan has come to steal. He steals the gospel. He steals opportunities, and he will steal a person's life and their very soul. And so because of God's mercy, because people without Christ are lost, because of the presence of false prophets, and because of the work of Satan in our world, we must preach. That is our mandate as pastors. But not only do I see here the pastor's mandate, I see the pastor's message. He says, for we preach not ourselves. A.T. Robertson says, when it comes to preaching yourself, he says that surely as poor and disgusting a topic as a preacher can find. We're not called to preach ourselves. Preach myself? I cannot preach myself because I did not exist as God in eternity past but I know someone who did. Preach myself? I cannot preach myself because I did not speak this world into creation, but I know someone who did. Speak myself? Preach myself? I cannot preach myself because I was not conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of a virgin girl, but I know someone who was. Preach myself? I cannot preach myself because I have not lived a life without sin, but I know someone who did preach myself. I cannot preach myself because I've never walked on water. I've never calmed the storm. I've never stilled the sea. But I know someone who did preach myself. I cannot preach myself. I've never made a blind person see. I've never made a crippled person walk. I've never made a deaf person hear. But I know someone who did preach myself. I cannot preach myself. I was never crucified on the cross for the sins of the world and buried in a tomb and raised again the third day. But I know someone who was. 
preach myself. I cannot preach myself. I cannot save one soul from their sin, but I know someone who can preach myself. I cannot preach myself because I have not ascended to heaven and sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, but I know someone who did preach myself. I cannot preach myself because I'm not going to come back from heaven one day as King of kings and Lord of lords, but I know someone who is. I cannot preach myself. He says, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. We're Jesus preachers. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Thank God for Jesus. I heard one preacher say, there is nothing special about the name of Jesus. It's just a name like Harry or Richard or Philip or James. I tell you, sometimes preachers can display more ignorance in one sentence than the world can even comprehend. Mary and Joseph did not name him Jesus because they found his name in a book at the Hallmark store. The angel of God said, And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. Paul said, Wherefore God hath highly exalted him, and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We preach Jesus. He's the one who existed in eternity past as God. He is the one who spoke all these worlds into existence. He is the one who was conceived by the Holy Ghost in the womb of the Virgin Mary. He is the one who lived a life without sin. Jesus is the one who walked the waters and calmed the storms and stilled the sea. Jesus is the one who healed the sick and raised the dead. Jesus is the one who died for the sins of the world. Jesus is the one who was raised from the dead. Jesus is the one who ascended into heaven. Jesus is the one who saves the sinner. Jesus is the one who will one day come as King of kings and Lord of lords. We preach Jesus. We preach him as the Christ. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus. This Jesus is the absolute perfect keeper of the law. This Jesus is the absolute fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Amos talked about Jesus. Obadiah wrote about Jesus. Isaiah and Daniel and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Zechariah and Zephaniah, they all talked about Jesus. He is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. But we also preach Him as Lord. 
For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. He is Lord. He is ruler. He is sovereign. He is potentate. He is boss. He is owner. He is in charge. All things were made by him and for him. He holds all things together by the word of his power. Jesus Christ is Lord. You do not have to crown him Lord. You do not have to make him Lord. He is Lord. Every bird that flies knows that Jesus is Lord. Every fish that swims knows that Jesus Jesus is Lord. Every snake that crawls knows that Jesus is Lord. And one day every tongue will confess in heaven and on earth and under the earth that Jesus Christ is Lord. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. But I see not only the pastor's mandate and the pastor's message. I see the pastor's manner. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants. That has come to be a forgotten characteristic for pastors. There are some pastors today that see themselves as CEOs of an organization. There are some pastors today that see themselves as corporate executives of a great institution. But I want to tell you, the Bible makes it clear that we are servants. I want to tell you this. I'm 63, soon be 64 years old. Nobody dyes their hair this color. <laughs> I'm not a new kid on the block. I realize that pastors are to be leaders, but we're not to be dictatorial leaders. We are to be servant leaders. I preach every week now all across this nation in different churches of all sizes and backgrounds. But I can tell you something about Baptists. Baptists can be led, but Baptists will never be driven. And if you haven't learned that, you need to leave your resume in every Gideon Bible, in every hotel in America because you won't last very long until you come to understand it is a servant leadership that God has called you to as a pastor. We're not the chief shepherd. We're the under shepherds. We do not have the source of life. We can only be dispensers of life. Jesus is the one. Brother Vance and I go every year to South Africa, and we have about four or five hundred pastors and their families that come in from the bush, and we spend a week with them just loving them and encouraging them and praying with them and preaching to them and teaching them seminars and 
It is an absolute wonderful time, and they, they come at no expense. We house them, we feed them, and it's just a time of, of, of just blessing us and blessing them. It's a, such a wonderful, wonderful situation. Usually on the Sunday before the conference starts, we're preaching in churches, and a few years ago I was preaching in a large church on Sunday night, and South Africa in Johannesburg. I guess there were close to 2,000 people there. And over on my left-hand side, one-third of the congregation, I guess seven or 800 of them were, were teenagers. Seven or 800 teenagers in church on Sunday night. I hope they never hear how we do it over here. In the middle of all those teenagers, there was a strikingly beautiful young girl, an African-American girl, very, very attractive, I guess 14, 15 years of age. She had on a black t-shirt kind of a top and in gold glittering letters all across the top of that shirt were these words, it's all about me. Now, I didn't say a word when I saw that. I didn't speak to her after the service. I, I didn't have the opportunity to, and I wouldn't have done anything anyway to have embarrassed her. But when I saw that shirt, I thought to myself, there are a lot of Southern Baptists that would love to have that shirt <laughs> that says it's all about me. They might not have the nerve to wear it, but I'll guarantee you there are a lot of them that it, you know. It's all about me. I'm going to have my way, preacher. You're going to do what I say. This church can't survive without me. I provide the money for this church. I provide the life for this church. It's all about me, preacher. This church cannot survive without me. Well, just die and we'll see. God was doing well before we got here. He'll be doing well long after we've said goodbye. We are servants. Jesus said, I've not come to be ministered unto. I've come to minister. We are servants. So I see the pastors mandate for we preach I see the pastor's message not ourselves but Christ Jesus the Lord and I see the pastor's manner in ourselves your servants and then I see finally the pastor's motive for Jesus sake God is not interested in your ability God did not call you because you were so smart. God did not call you because of your cleverness and your ingenuity. God did not call you because you were so good-looking. And I have a hard time convincing myself of that. 
God called you out of His grace because He wanted you to give your life living for Jesus' sake. That's our motive. God is not interested in any sand castles that we may build. God is not interested in any personal agendas that we may push. God is not impressed as we climb the ladder in the denomination. The only thing that really impresses God is when we live for Jesus' sake. John the Baptist, Jesus said, there was never a man born of woman. And you'd have to think a long time to figure out another way to get here. Jesus said there has never been a man born of woman greater than John the Baptist. When John the Baptist began to be rivaled by Jesus, the disciples of John began to say, John, he's getting bigger crowds than you get now. You used to be the big boy here. But now he's growing and you're diminishing. And John the Baptist said, he must go on increasing. And I must go on decreasing. John the Baptist understood that the life of humility, the life that exalts Jesus, the life that lifts up the name of the Lord is the successful life in the Christian life. Humility is not an artificial cosmetic. I have some preacher friends who all the time wear solid black suits. Black suit, black tie, black socks, black shoes. I'm sure they wear black underwear. They walk kind of stoop-shouldered and look sort of pitiful. And you ask them, why are you doing this? Well, I'm just trying to be humble. That's not humility. There are some women who wear their sleeves down to their wrist, and the hem of their dress goes to their ankle. And they wear their hair in a beehive and wear absolutely no makeup. Why do you do that? Oh, I'm just trying to be humble. That's not humility. That's just ugly. <laughs> a little paint will help any barn. Humility is not an outward cosmetic facade. Humility is when we come to grips with our nothingness. Jesus said, without me you can do nothing. And he went beyond that. He said, without me you are nothing. It is when we come to grips with our nothingness in light of His 
everythingness. That's humility. And that's what it means to live for Jesus' sake. It's not important that they know our name, but it's important that they know His name. It's not important that they know what we can do for them, but it is important for them to know what He can do for them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for His sake. I hope that through this conference, God will touch your heart and that you will go home to aspire to be the pastor of a church that plants other churches. And when you plant other churches, and as God is my witness, I believe you can, and I believe many of you will. As you plant other churches, when those churches that are now dreams become reality. Pray that God will send them pastors who will not preach themselves, but preach Him, and that they will be content serving His people and living their lives for His sake. God bless you, and amen.